For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Knights went 1-0, and now they get the real test early on, heading up to Boise to play the Broncos. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Charge On. As always, I'm your host, Sean Green. Before we get started, as always, a quick word from our sponsors, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Tyler Karen. Finally back after long hiatus from the show. I mean, I literally looked back when the last time you were on, it was almost a year to the day. He will definitely be on more this season. We're going to try to get him on uh, way more often, but newest, kind of not new, a month into it, month or so into it, but newest co-host and producer of In The Zone. He's been gracious. Uh, him and Brandon have been gracious to invite me on, so I said, Tyler's coming on this show. for Tit for tat. When I go on, he comes on. So, Tyler, thank you for taking the time. Um, how you doing? And, and thank you for making the time, man. Yeah, thanks for the intro. It's always it's always good to come home, talk UCF football with some of my UCF guys. Um, t- talking with with Brandon on the on the show, he's an FSU guy at heart. We all know it. So I this is tell. this is my platform to come on and talk some UCF football with true UCF guys. And you know, week week one was fun. It uh, reminded me a lot of last year's week one. So I'm glad that I get to come on here. Good timing leading up to week two. Talk about how we don't replicate what we did last year. Yeah, we'll get into it all because I think I said to you guys before we started, I get more nervous by the day. And some UCF fans will type in our comments and say, the fact you're nervous is ridiculous. We'll get into it. Um, But obviously... Um, charge on extraordinaire, Nick Geddes. Just making the intros better uh, for you every week, Nick. Um, obviously, you know, we're, we're going into week two. Uh, you were just on J.P. Peterson's show talking about uh, UCF. I implore all of you guys to go check that out. Um, but kind of give your quick take on, you know, how you're feeling uh, going into week two of the college football season. Well, I have a lot of mixed feelings going into this game. And, and we talked a little bit before this. And I think we're both kind of feeling the same way. We, we saw what happened with Boise this week against Washington, and it was not good. It was pretty ugly for Boise for a majority of that game. But at the same time, at least in my opinion, I had Washington winning the Pac-12 before the season. I'm standing by that. And Washington went out there and showed that I think they are one of the most complete teams in the country. And unfortunately, Boise State had to run into them week one on the road. So you see that. And then you see what UCF did, albeit against Kent State, and you go, hmm, maybe I have a different feeling about this game than originally. Because remember, I was saying this is like one of those games, one of like the three or four games on the schedule that I really could have gone either way with. It's like a typical college football trap game, Saturday night, Boise State, Blue Field, all those things, the weirdness of it. But it's hard to not be swayed a little bit from what you saw with Boise. But at the same time, that was a team that had high expectations, got some votes in the original AP poll, uh, the pick to win their conference. You know, everybody was talking up Taylor Green and rightfully so going into the season. This was a program that was going to be like the old Boise. And then that happened. But does that motivate them more? And, and obviously the pressure is on Boise State now 
a lot going into this game. It is their first home game. I believe you told me the stat. They've won 21 home openers in a row. I believe if I got that correct. So you got to play. You yeah. got to take into account that. So I, I got a lot of mixed feelings on it. I mean, even when we get to prediction time at the end of the show, I still don't know at this moment what my prediction is. I still don't know. Based on the discussion we have here today, I might be leaning in different ways. Nick, I, I wasn't going to say it, but that's exactly I'm I do not have a prediction yet. I'm going through the, the conversation. Uh, I was up late last night, like probably until one, two in the morning, watching the Boise State coaches interviews, the press conference talking about UCF. And it's the same BS talk of, oh, they're so good. John Rice Plumley can make all the throws. And I'm like, oh, please stop giving like all this great talk. Like just stick like tell us what's up. Like tell me what your plan is week two. Boise's very interesting, right? Because I watched the entire game. First of all, for all of you Spectrum people that are like upset, YouTube TV, let me tell you, I got, you know, you know, I shouldn't be saying it if they come and take me or whatever, but took my dad's YouTube TV because I'm like, I'm not paying for it, but like, give it to me. They do a four box with all like the games on TV, switch over to YouTube TV. Don't want to get into a whole conversation on it, but prime sports watching. So I was watching the entire game. And I put out an early tweet, and I said, an early eye test. This is like first quarter. I said, looks a bit like UCF and how they run their offense. And if accurate, I think JRP will be able to throw for a lot of yards on the Boise State secondary. Doesn't take a rocket scientist. I think if we all watch that game, you can all pretty much tell the Boise secondary is bad. They're really bad. But the question is, can JRP throw that ball deep? That's the number one thing that we could talk about, right? Boise State usually has a really solid defense. They didn't play terrible. I mean, I know it looked bad in the score, but early on, they kind of, they were making some good plays against Washington. Later on in the game, Penix obviously was just throwing deep balls and hitting receivers. It it looked like the corners didn't know what the hell they were doing. I kind of want to ask you, Tyler, because... I think I said it on your guys' show. I said the question mark of this team right now is the secondary, is the corners. I'm not a fan of Corey Thornton. I made that very well clear on this show. Not a fan. That scares me. Now, our corners have size. They have length. But the question is, are, are they going to be able to perform as well as Boise's corners? Because I think the Boise offense can be dangerous. They didn't show a lot against Washington that I think they're used to. So I think the number one question I want to ask you is, can JRP complete those throws on the field? We're going to see, but do you have confidence that we're going to be able to throw that ball deep on Saturday? I think that with Boise State secondary, you it, it's tough to evaluate. It was a very hard game to evaluate because Washington at the end of the day is the 10th ranked team in the country. They have a quarterback that's going to be in the Heisman race. They have a quarterback who's going to be selected in next year's NFL draft. JRP is not that guy. We all know he's not that guy. He's shown flashes to have the ability to take pieces here and there and produce good drives, maybe a good game, but not a good stretch of the season. We saw it last year. He'd throw for 300 yards and then for 100 yards the next week. Um, Really roller coaster season for JRP last year. He has to stay in the pocket. That is one thing that I praise Michael Penix for watching that game last weekend, rewatching the highlights. He is so calm, cool, and collected at all times in the pocket. I think the biggest thing we need to see from JRP is progressions. We need to see you can have your first option, whatever that might be deep ball, short ball, whatever it is. The Boise secondary is going to allow you to hit that first option oftentimes. But if that's not there, That's where JRP needs to trust his blockers. Boise State only got to Penix one time last week, one sack. So it's not like they were harassing him all week. Trust your pocket. Go through your progressions. Don't look for that first option and say, oh, oh crap. And then you're out and scrambling and getting hit out in the midfield, which I'm sure we'll talk about more. I know we've all gotten our shot at uh, how JRP needs to learn how to slide or uh, just simply not run the ball so recklessly. So, If he can stay in the pocket, go through those progressions, and be accurate. That's the other thing. Michael Penix is one of the best balls in the country. 
Like he dots the balls out there. JRP, we saw it last year versus Kent State, who was giving plenty of cushion miscues with guys like Javon Baker, who, I mean, Xavier Townsend came in and claimed that number one spot in week one, but Javon Baker is number one in all of our depth charts. That needs to be his guy. And I mean, throwing balls, you know, an arm's length away and making it tougher on receivers, that stuff that'll work versus Kent State. It works less for Boise State and it works a lot less versus a West Virginia or Baylor or since, uh, you know, those guys coming up in a couple weeks. So, You can get away with it this week, but trust your pocket, pinpoint passes, and don't beat yourself by being reckless running the ball for JRP. And I'll say this, Tyler. I think I did like, you know, the turnovers, not so much. Obviously, he had some costly turnovers that you literally can't do against better opponents. But I will say there were a couple throws that you could see the differences. You could see that clearly Darren Henshaw has worked with him on the footwork, on staying in the pocket and not automatically getting scared and saying, I need to run out of here. I think there were a lot of moments where you're like, okay, that impressed me. There was a throw, I think, to Javon Baker where it was a, a, a deep slant and hit him right in stride. And I'm like, that looked like a throw that he would not have made last year. It would have been overthrown. It would have been thrown behind him. It was right on the money. But there are still some of those throws. I think there was one throw... There was four Kent State guys, or triple covered, quadruple covered on a one guy, and he still made the throw. Thank God it wasn't intercepted, intercepted but there are still some of those problems, like the turnovers, turnovers and stuff like that. Nick, we'll talk about the, the running, right? Because there's going to be times this Saturday where he's going to need to get out of the pocket. He's going to need to run. He's going to need to get that first down. Because I do think Kent's, or I do think Boise State's front seven is better than they showed. Like I do think, listen, we have a new offensive line, three new starters. There's going to be growing pains. I don't think they're going to look perfect this week. Penalties they need to clean up. There's going to be growing pains. I think John Rice is going to have to get out of the pocket sometimes. What is your kind of assessment? Obviously, what he did last week needs to stop. Like, I was watching DG highlights from Boise State two years ago. He got a bunch of long runs. Like, he ran for, like, 30 yards twice in the game. And he slid right as soon as he got close to anybody. If you were Darren Henshaw or Gus, and you're talking to John Rice, what are you telling him in regards to, hey, this is a better opponent, you're going to need to run, but what do you tell him to say you need to slide? Like, you're a baseball player. You need to slide when you get that that close to these defenders. Well, well, that you need to use it because again, getting popped by Kent by guys on Kent State, and all due respect for them, maybe you make it out from there. But as we continue to progress throughout this season, I'll just say it: if John Rice Pumley continues to have that mentality of I'm just going to take hits and I'm going to invite contact and I'm not going to slide, and I'm going to do it this way, you're going to see Timmy McLean at some point this season. That's just the way I feel. I don't think John Rice Plumley can continue to withstand it if he plays like he did at Kent State. I think it has to start with this week here in Boise State. And at least at the end of the day with John Rice Plumley, he's a, he's a flawed quarterback. He's a flawed quarterback. He's not one of the top quarterbacks in the country. Uh, we talk about concerns with the team. You mentioned the secondary, and I agree with you, but I still think John Rice Plumley is probably number two on my concern there. I, I just feel that way. Uh, the good thing is, uh, UCF's running, uh, the running back tandem, and obviously John Rice Plumley, what he provides there. There wasn't a school in the country, the entire country in week one that rushed for more yards than UCF did, which was 389. Now, you kind of go to the Boise State game. Washington, they didn't really test them running the ball. Didn't really have to, to be honest with you, right? Uh, they kind of just dabbled into it, and you know maybe that was part of their game plan because Boise State, for what it's worth, they were one of the best teams last year in the entire country at stopping the run. Uh, I found this interesting when I was doing research. They were the number six defense total in all of college football last season. They just got, you know, 50-something hung on them by Washington. So I think in general, Boise State is much better than what they showed. And But if UCF is going to win this game, I think Washington just kind of gave you the blueprint. And you got to be able to throw it over the top. you got to get Javon Baker involved. I agree with Tyler. I saw some miscommunications there, some things that we really didn't see between those two guys last year. And Javon, to me, is still the number one guy. Uh, but in, And listen, if you have three number one guys, like I think that's the good thing about this team. It could be one week Javon Baker. It could be one week Xavier Townsend. It could be one week Kobe Hudson. 
That's a great problem to have, but it starts with JRP and the consistency from throw to throw. Washington just gave you the blueprint, so now the pressure turns over to JRP and what he can do. All right, that's our John Rice Plumley talk slash rant for this episode, hopefully. We will move on to Boise, and if John Rice gets brought up, you know, we apologize, but he is the big question mark. If he plays at an elite level on Saturday, Boise has no chance. That's just, you know... Sorry to Boise State fans, but if he is the elite quarterback that we know he can be on the ground and making those accurate balls, Boise doesn't have the talent that UCF does, and that's just a plain fact. Let's talk about Boise, boys. All right. Uh, Obviously, not such a great performance, but obviously playing a Washington team, that was expected. Uh, Taylor Green did not look like the quarterback we kind of expect out of him. Uh, He, I think, was 8-2 as a starter going into the game. Now he's 8-3. Um, he was 19 of 39 for 244, one touchdown, two picks. Again, hard to really take anything from that game because, again, you're playing an elite Washington team. I think the one thing that we can take away and something that our D-line is going to get tested, I think we all said was really impressed with how they stopped the run last week. I think this will be a good test for them to see really how elite are they because even with how poorly Boise State was playing, they ran the ball 28 times for 138 yards, which is a 4.9 average. So, I mean, and they've got a two-headed beast with Holani and Genty. So, I mean, there are positives to take away from Boise in that sense. And I think they're going to have to run the football to be effective this week. Because, again, if they get into a throwing match, I'll say this. Seeing Green play against Washington, and again, we keep reiterating elite team. He looked a lot like John Rice last year. In how in some of the throws he was making, was not accurate with the football in a lot of throws, threw balls really high to a lot of the receivers, out of reach for some receivers. So throwing the football, I'm not as concerned. Obviously, him on his feet concerns me. You gotta, you know, be on your P's and Q's with that, have a quarterback spy with him. But Tyler, running the football, how important is it the D line to kind of impose their will on that front and kind of force Boise to do what they did against Washington? Because I think if you get into a throwing match, I think UCF wins that easily. But if it becomes where they're kind of controlling time of possession, which that's the blueprint to beat UCF over the last couple of years. It's control the time of possession, limit UCF's plays, and usually you might come out with a W if you play good, solid, fundamental football. So how important is it the D-line to really stop that run early? It's huge. And you look at the, the rushing versus passing split for Boise last week for Washington and being 47 passing attempts to just 28 carries. You mentioned those 28 carries for 138 yards and that about five yards per average. It's pretty good yards per carry right there. And part of the reason why their passing attempts got so high was because they're playing from yeah. behind versus UCF. I think that if it is the closer game that the three and a half point spread suggests opposed to the 15 point spread that we had last week versus Washington in Boise, I think they can utilize that run more and Talon green can fly out there. He's one of the fastest guys on that roster, according to Boise state reporters. So it's going to be, you're going, like you said, you're going to have to have that spy on him. If you give up big plays to this team, that's where their confidence can take over they have some swag to them, and a lot of it starts in that three-headed monster, like you just said, with Taylor Green and then Halani and Ashton Genty. Like those three guys, I think really are the heartbeat to that team. They will rush on you for a you know four hundred yards in a game. They'll probably do it at some point where they're just in UCF, one of the worst rushing defenses uh, in the American last year. I think they finished at eighth with over allowing over one hundred seventy yards rushing yards a game. So. I think that is the main point of attack. You want it to turn into a passing uh, battle. JRP isn't the isn't the best passing quarterback. He's a better passing quarterback, and he's shown to be a better and more effective passing quarterback than Taylor Green. So that is your number one concern on the defensive end. If you let him get out there and scramble, he's great on third and eights. You think you got it locked down in the secondary, everyone covered, whether you're in man or zone. If you let Taylor Green break away, that's where it's a 20-yard game. It's demoralizing to the defense and gives all the momentum to the offense. If you give this Broncos team momentum, they can come out and punch you in the mouth, and they can do it early. They got the first score versus Washington, then a bad turnover later, but they had the ball up seven versus Washington early on. They weren't able to capitalize on that, but think about it. You you. They can get out and ahead of versus a really good team. 
No, they can. And I found it interesting. I think one of the wrinkles that I'm particularly nervous about is I think GNT really got, you know, going in the receiving game, coming out of the backfield. Defenses kind of lose him. And that caught, I think he had 109 receiving yards last week. And that caused Washington some problems. That was kind of their best play was getting GNT the ball out of the backfield and, and getting, you know, deep throws to him. Nick, I'm looking at, you know, uh, Taylor Green stats last year. And obviously, not the best. I mean, he was 61% completion, uh, 14 touchdowns to six picks. So clearly, I mean, when I look at quarterbacks, I mean, if you're throwing 14 touchdowns, you have six interceptions, you know, not terrible, but not the greatest. Means he's going to throw you one probably at least in one game. And he wasn't the start of the entire year. Kind of talk about that, the passing to the running backs a little bit. How UCF, I think the short game last week, was effective for Kent State. I mean, UCF, it was, again, a kind of bend-don't-break situation where they allowed a lot of stuff up front, didn't allow really a lot of deep plays, which that was the positive out of the corners, was they didn't really allow a big play. The one big play got called back from a flag. But the bend-don't-break is only so good if you can stop them in the end zone. And I think Kent State, you can kind of stop them when they get in your you know, your area. Boise's going to probably put it in the end zone. So on their home turf, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but... Kind of give your overall assessment after watching the game and kind of that connection with Gene T throwing the ball and then Taylor Green as a whole last season into this season. Yeah, I think Gene T's the guy they're going to want to get involved in this one for sure. Uh, and Taylor Green, you mentioned it, not the most proficient passing passing numbers from last year. Had a lot more this year for him. But I, I think I go back to, you know, the run game and Tyler had mentioned it, you know, eighth worst in the American last year. And obviously Taylor Green is going to be a part of that rushing attack. I think for UCF, this game might be won and lost from at least from their defensive standpoint is going to be the middle of that defense. And I'm looking at one guy who we kind of mentioned last week who was pretty, pretty, pretty quiet. And that was Jason Johnson. I think we saw at times last year, he was UCF's best player on defense. And I think he's got to get back to that. Uh, We liked what we saw, I think collectively from Walter Yates and even Ryan Davis, the transfer coming over. But I think Jason Johnson, that's a guy who I think is going to have a lot of responsibility in that game. Uh, maybe being a spy for Taylor Green and obviously, you know, stopping their two headed monster uh, there at running back. And, you know, even the guys up front, whether it's, you know, Selazar, Ricky Barber, Trayvon Morris Brash. I mean, those guys, Lee Hunter as well, who had a really good game against Kent State. You know, those guys, they make plays, but stopping the run is definitely something that those guys as a collective unit have got to get better with. And if they can't stop the run, you know, Boise State can run it down your throat and maybe they won't maybe if you get into a shootout with them from a passing standpoint they can't keep up but if they're controlling the clock and keeping the ball away from UCF I think this becomes into a completely different game so uh, I just think in general I'm expecting or I'm hoping that Jason Johnson in the middle of that defense hopefully controls the game and enforces Taylor Green to have to throw downfield yeah if it gets into a short passing every single down getting four, five, six, six yards a pass. I mean, it's going to be a problem. I don't care what you say. If you stop the run, I'd be more acceptable to it because at that point, it's like, okay, you're stopping the run. They're kind of being forced to pass. Ben don't break. They're not going to be able to run the football. But getting GT involved and Jason Johnson being a factor, I think, are two huge Huge aspects because, yeah, like we talked about it. He was non-existent last week. Um, Ryan Davis really showed a lot of stuff. It's going to really come down to who's the QB spy, who's going to be playing in the middle of the field, and that's kind of going to be the story on the defense. Let's talk corners a little bit. Uh, Boise State, they dropped a lot of balls. Again, was it nerves? Was it, you know, I don't know. There was a lot of balls that weren't, you know, perfect, but there were some balls they just dropped. Uh, I think their leading receiver, when you really think about it, was Gene T with the yards, but Eric McAllister... Uh, he had seven receptions, only 69 yards, 10 yards, you know, a catch. But seven receptions, that's pretty, you know, obvious to look at. Not too many guys got the ball. It was McAllister, it was Cobbs. He had six receptions. Uh, Bowens had three. And then another running back, Halani, George Halani, had only two receptions. So not the same depth when you look at compared to UCF. Like UCF, you're going to see a bunch of guys that are going to catch the ball. You're going to see Randy Pittman in there. You're going to see Alec Collar catch some balls. You're going to see, you know, hopefully Trent Whittemore catch some balls. So UCF's depth at the wide receiver position is notable. The question is going to be, you know, 
can Boise get other receivers involved? And also, you know, I'm sure their catching is going to be better. Tyler, when you look at the corners, we'll talk secondary, right? I think Boise didn't show who they actually were last week. We all keep saying that. I think the receivers are going to be better this week. Corners are going to need to be on their game because, again, they use a lot of misdirection in their offense. Boise uses a lot of misdirection to get you on your toes, be like, where are people going? And I, our corners have had problems with that. Again, last week, Kent State ripped a big one off just using a little bit of misdirection. Thank God for a flag. What do you want to see out of the corners? Who are you kind of looking at to take that jump in week two and potentially maybe see more playing time if they're not starting? Or who do you want to kind of put a message out to to say, hey, we need more out of you this week specifically on a tough road game environment? I think that Corey Thornton is still... He he left meat on the bone last week. Like There were plays that he let go that last year, that just wasn't the case. I think it's a whole new defensive identity for this team as far as what they want to be. Because last year, last season, it was all, you had 80 yards to play around with. Go ahead. We'll let you march right down. But then going halfway through the season, they were the best red zone defense in the country. They were up there on that short list. They were not allowing points inside the red zone. Give you all the field goals you want. Give you all the yards you want. But you are not getting an hour end zone. And I think that Corey Thornton was a big part of that. And all of those... DBs were and it it was once they got in that zone and the field gets smaller in a way it's less area to cover less ground to cover and something just clicked the challenge with UCF is getting that kind of confidence that kind of swagger that they had in their own red zone last year to click throughout uh you know the other 80 yards of the field new defensive coordinator coming in that can help that um you know, it's it's it, we saw it versus Kent State again, where they were able to pick up the yards. But I did see differences in that UCF defense as far as they're not giving ten yards cushion every single play, like we like we saw a lot of times last season. We know our big men up front are going to be fine. That's where we return the most guys, uh, the most experience. I think our front line is fine. But it is that secondary where things really we get the magnifying glass out for. And if you make those little mistakes, that's where we're really going to comment on it. Going to Boise's defense real quick. They did have two guys in the NFL draft last year. They had a a safety and a defensive tackle that are both selected in like the sixth round. So two big pieces to fill there for them. Uh, This isn't the same Boise defense that we saw uh, last season. However, those are two fillable spots. So. I don't know if it was as much of a fluke as what I think Boise State fans would like to think it was last week, getting you know 50 dropped on them for, by Washington. I think it's somewhere in the middle. They're not the same thing they were last year, but still not a defense that you can roll over and just mess with on their home turf. So let's go to the nervous thing, because I'm extremely nervous. Okay, I mean, we've seen what's been happening in the Big 12, right? A lot of teams that we expected. Nick, your your championship game predictor, Texas Tech, loses to Wyoming. You know, we, we I don't. have to because you, you didn't need to you did not need to bring that up today. I like I like to bury my my bad well, predictions. Unfortunately, and when you have me like never on the show with you, I remember all of your bad beats. So they get aired out for everybody so that you take what he says with a grain of salt. I know a lot of our fans were mad that you said six and six. Just know that most likely won't happen because Nick made that prediction. Uh, but the Big 12, I think we're not, you can't look at week one and automatically make it, you know, doomsday, right? Like you can look at the Big 12 and say, listen, there were some games that they shouldn't have lost. I mean, the Baylor one is is the big one that comes to mind, losing to G.J. Kinney, which, you know, that gives me a lot of confidence for Baylor because it's a very similar type of offense. I think when you're looking at this game specifically, this is a big opportunity for UCF. Now, Andy Avalos is an incredible coach. He's really kept the Boise train going. They won the Mountain West last year. They were 10-4. I think he's 17-10 and in his first two years. The honest thing, though, is they haven't been how they've been like in the last 20-so years at home. I think he's lost, again, I don't have the, the stat here, he's he's lost five or six games at home in the last couple of years. So 
Boise is not this jugger. If you look at their 20-year record, I think they've lost maybe 13 games at home in like 20-something years. But they haven't been like that the last couple years. So it's not like this going to the blue turf. And we'll talk about the blue turf in a second. But this is a huge game for UCF. Next week, you have a cupcake. You can really take the week off, relax, chill before you go into the Kansas State. It's almost like a scrimmage against Villanova. This is the most important game to determine where your season's going to go. You go 2-1 and one into Kansas State, you're fighting for 6-6. Six and six. I don't care what people say. If you lose against Boise, you're fighting for a bowl game. If you go 3-0 and oh into Kansas State, that's a different mindset. You're having a different mindset about your team. You're 3-0, oh, I don't care who you play. You're 3-0 and oh going into Kansas State, who, I'm going to be honest, guys, I watched Kansas State. I wasn't thinking like, they're impossible to beat. Their defense is elite, let me tell you. But I think offensively, they didn't do anything that wowed me where I'm like, UCF has no shot. So I think you can, if you beat Boise, which again is a very winnable game, more winnable than I think many of us assumed going into it, your whole season kind of changes in, in not changes, but your whole season mantra kind of flips from, there's a possibility at the end of the season, if you're the team you think you are, to make noise in the Big 12. Like, do you kind of get that assessment, Tyler? Like, we obviously see the teams in the Big 12. You win this game, I think your outlook on the season, like Nick said at the beginning, his outlook changed a little bit. His ceiling for this team potentially shifted based on some of these teams in the Big 12. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I mean, getting not just beating Boise, UCF is supposed to beat Boise. They should look at and not that they care about the spread of a game, but the UCF community should look at that three and a half point of a spread and say that's a joke. It was that's where UCF is viewed like that's that's nuts that it's even my prediction last week before we even kicked off versus Kent State and we were kind of looking ahead on the show was. That'll probably be around a 10-point spread. And the fact that it's a full touchdown under that, it really surprised me. Um, I think there's good value there on that because if UCF, if they don't lose themselves this game, it puts another win in the record book. It gives them confidence going ahead for much bigger matchups. If they go out on that blue turf, unnecessary roughnesses, holding, false starts, if they kill themselves with penalties like they did last year versus Louisville at home in week two after coming out and blowing out South Carolina State, that is how they lose this game. If they stick to the game plan and just play UCF football, forget about who you're playing. The the only thing that I think they really need to focus on is not letting um, – is – I'm, I'm blanking. Uh, it's not like Taylor Green run for over 100 yards. That That's it. Outside of that, he's not that great of a passer. They don't have that great of skill players. He is going to be the guy that they need to focus on in that offensive end. And that they're allowed to score points. They're good. It's a football team. You don't need to hold them to nothing. You need to be more confident in your offense. Find that consistency. Find that swagger. Go out and beat Boise on their home field and snap that 21 straight home opener win. Get that confidence going ahead in the Big 12. That's all it is. It's don't beat yourself in this game. That is how UCF loses and keeps it close as if they beat themselves. And by the way, my I told you that my the motivation part for Boise State going into this game is what scares me is because now they're looking at themselves – and going, okay, we weren't as good as we thought we were. Not that they went into that game saying, okay, we're going to beat Washington or anything, but they maybe thought they were going to make that a game, and it didn't happen. So now the sense of urgency picks up for them. So then I look at UCF, okay, what's their motivation? Well, week one, which, again, general rule of thumb, week one is a liar when it comes to college football and especially in the NFL. And there's a lot of overreactions that get thrown out. But when you look at what happened in week one, when you look at Baylor – when you look at Texas Tech, when you look at a team that I might have been a little higher on than some other people, like in Oklahoma State, and they didn't look that great against Central Arkansas offensively, it does kind of change your outlook in that, okay, Oklahoma obviously just put up 70 or 80 points, whatever it was. They looked fantastic. They probably might be the favorite. Texas, I think, 
was probably playing a bit conservative because they didn't want to show anything ahead of Alabama, right? But we still have those two, two, two teams there. And then you have Kansas State, who you said you weren't as impressed by, but I think they're still probably the top three team in the conference. After that, it's completely wide open. It's completely wide open. And I think that's where UCF's kind of sense of urgency kicks in is, okay, now we really, really need to take care of some of these games against these lesser opponents on our schedule. And we can't have any slip ups because we have a really good opportunity to potentially be in the top four of the conference all of a sudden this season. Because at this point, there might not be that much differentiating a UCF from a Texas Tech or from some of these other teams that are kind of in that in this big middle of the Big 12 kind of. So I think that's where their motivation comes from uh, in this game going against Boise. And and yeah, I think I'll elaborate real quick before I move on on my, I said six and six at the beginning of the year, but now I'm kind of looking at it and try not to overreact, but it's almost tough to say, okay, maybe they could go eight and four. Maybe they could go nine and three because of the way some of these other teams looked. And team, listen, teams get better as seasons go on. In most cases, UCF will probably be a part of that as well. But if you lose this game to Boise State, I 100% agree, Sean. You're going to create a scenario where you're probably going to be fighting for bowl eligibility after that. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, the way I'm viewing it is if you beat Boise, I'm more confident in the Kansas game. Because watching Kansas, obviously Jalen Daniels is is what didn't play. And what are uh, they without Jalen Daniels? What are they? They're average. In my opinion, I think offensively, they're not the same. So I look at that game differently. And my eight and four, now, I, like I said, my ceiling for them was 10 and two, which that was like, if everything goes well, that's, I know you're shaking your head, Tyler. I said my ceiling. I didn't say we're going to be 10 and two. I said my prediction is eight and four. My floor was six and six. I said my floor is six and six because, and I said this wouldn't be great, but if you go three and zero to start, all you have to do is win three more Big 12 games. And yeah, going three and six in the Big 12 wouldn't be the greatest thing, but it's doable. You have games on the schedule that you should win. West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, Houston. I mean, they're games that you should win. Now, I feel more confident in Kansas. So you could potentially go into Oklahoma being five and one, heading into Oklahoma not saying 6 and 0 cuz I'm not going to put that out into the universe and I'm not saying this is going to be an easy dub. We're going to about to get into our predictions, but there's a potential where you're going to Oklahoma heading to play Sock Boy and being 5 and 1. Right? So I don't know. Very interesting stuff. I don't love that the Big 12's kind of stunk up week 1. Not opposed to it for UCF though. All right, let's go into uh, Blue Turf, because that's been, I guess, a talking point this week, and I'm not saying it's ridiculous, because I've, I guess for some teams it is a factor. I'm assuming Boise's going to wear their blue to, again, create more problems, because they're just so fun. Um, UCF is playing at the Masters Academy. I guess they're going to the Masters Academy, which has a blue field in Central Florida, to kind of practice practice on a blue field prior. I want to get your take because personally, I said that's smart. See a blue field before you go onto a blue field. I don't know. Again, never played on a blue field, so I don't know if it has any effect. Clearly, I guess it has because they've won so much at home. And also, tell me your guys' thought on the tickets not selling. Now, I'm assuming they'll have a packed house. They'll probably give away a bunch of tickets for free. Uh, and some Boise fans will probably spend the money just because they're like, you know, we got to go support our team. But I want both your guys' takes. Give me the takes on the blue field. And does it matter that they're practicing on a blue field? Uh, and the tickets. Do you think it's going to be a sellout? And if it's not, how big of a deal is that for UCF uh, coming into that environment? I think easily Boise will show out for this one. And it's partially because it's, it is their home opener. Um, it's partially because Boise, there's definitely a Boise state stigma with UCF where they feel they paved the path for a school like UCF, who, uh, was not a power five school now is, and Boise kind of feels like they might've been cheated out of one of those power five spots for 
They've been around longer. They've won more football games than what UCF has. As far as recently, they haven't. And UCF has produced a ton of more money to college football and college athletics as a whole, which is why they got that Big 12 spot. One of the big, it, it makes more sense for UCF to be. But you can understand why Boise might be a little bit salty about that. So I think they'll show out. As far as the blue field goes, you see the, the, the ups and the downs to all of it. At the end of the day, it's the same dimensions of the football field. You're the same football team. You don't have to play with any disadvantage internally. Now, again, it, I mean, Boise was complaining that Washington's grass turf last week was tough, that, that they were slipping and sliding. That was regular green grass. Like, so that's where the color of the, the quality of the turf can be a difference maker, whereas the color, I don't think so so much. But then you'll get something like basketball where you have the skyline behind the hoop and some arenas have the stands coming in closer. You have some high school arenas that are, are gymnasiums that are just a wall. And then if you go from that to playing inside a college arena that has actual stands behind the hoop, it's little things like skylines. It throws off your perceptions of things when you're shooting a free throw or shooting a three. That stuff is real. I was never a football player. I never played on blue turf. I don't know if that applies, but I could see an argument to say that those kind of compare to one another. At the end of the day, same dimensions of the football field. You are the same team. It is that opponent one way or another. They don't get a monster or anything. No one's. It's the same. All the circumstances are the same. Play your game. Win yeah, your game. I'll just say this, and I'm probably guilty of it because I say it in my like preamble every time I talk about this game that it's wacky. But it's one of those things that in the pregame hype, and we always got, you know, you got seven days or a whole week, and there's a lot of things to talk about. And that blue field just always becomes a talking point before the game. My bet is that when the game starts, I'll see the blue field. I'll make a comment of it on when I'm watching it. And then after that, it's probably just going to escape my mind. I won't even think about it. And I have to think, again, never played football uh, at any significant level. So I'm not going to tell you that I, pre- I pretend to know how different it is. I just have to think that if you're that team, you don't worry about it and you go take care of business. End of story. I, I think I think it's nothing more than a just a typical pregame talking point that we'll all forget about after the first few minutes of the game. And then it's just football. And who's going to be the better team at the end? I think that's where it goes. And then in ticket sales, I think Boise, uh, I haven't seen the whole thing with the lagging ticket sales. I have to imagine, though, it being their home opener. Uh, you know, they're not playing. I can't even think. I'm just trying to think of a rant. We'll just throw Kent State's out there for for conversation's sake. Right. They're not playing Kent State. There's incentive. We sold for, out for Kansas State. Exactly. But this is uh, this. There's incentive here for Boise State fans to to get to the the stadium to see this one. So I think that'll be fine. Uh, I I don't think it's anything UCF can't handle. They've played in hostile environments before. So that's kind of my feeling on that. But we'll forget about the blue field. We will forget about it after a few minutes, I promise. So I go back to the 2021 game. I think Boise fans, there's a little bit of a, you know, don't want to say resentment, but I guess some of the the students were not nice to Boise fans at that game. Uh, you know, they were saying "f you, Boise." Are they I nice? Are Boise... they nice to anybody, Sean? Are they ever nice? Right, UCF. I, is I, I never have Boise fans have been so nice. I have, it's never I a pleasant stood, experience. I almost said sat, but we're standing. I have stood next to Tyler and some of those guys in that little area there, and I know Tyler knows where I'm talking about. It's in that corner that is right next to the away section. And I've been I've I've been privy to see everything that's been shouted. It doesn't matter if they're playing Boise. It doesn't matter if they're playing UCF or USF. It doesn't matter if they're playing South Carolina State. You are going to get a middle finger probably directed at you and some four letter words. That's just that's how it goes. Just how it goes. Yeah, Boise just so not. They're so you know. I'll give them credit. Very nice on Twitter. Very good fan base. They're very kind people. But. I was watching Brandon Helwig's uh, video last night. He had a live stream with a couple Boise, you know, names or whatever. And the guy said he, it was the, the one guy said that it was the worst fan section or the, like, when it came to disrespect that he's ever been to. But he said the adult fans were nice. Uh, but he said he enjoyed it because it was 
almost kind of like a rivalry situation. Um, I implore you guys to go check out uh, the video because it was actually some good information with, you know, I think some of the Boise fans, 2021 lives in their head. A crazy game. They were up big, 24-7. to UCF fights back, wins the game. So I think there is a little, we need to get it back. The blue field, the only thing I'll say on the blue field, I agree. The only thing I will say is if they're wearing blue uniforms, that could cause some issues. Like, offensively and defensively. Maybe you're looking, and again, perception, you might not think that it's a player, but all of a sudden you throw the ball and it's like, oh, that's a there's an extra you know safety over the top. That's the only thing that's making me nervous. I agree with you guys. At the end of the day, it's a football field. doesn't matter. But there is a little, I hope that the time at Matt, then they were saying online, I guess, Oregon State a couple years ago practiced on a blue turf like before the game and they got like killed at Boise. And people were like, oh, good luck with that. I do think it is good to just see a blue field and be on a blue field before you play on one. But I also agree with you guys. At the end of the day, we're going to be, if we get killed, we're going to come on here and we're not blaming the turf or, or saying, oh, the, the field was blue. That's the reason JRP threw three interceptions. So I understand that. All right. I think it's prediction time. I think I have an idea after hearing all of this conversation. I'll wait until the end. But Mr. Karen, again, I don't, maybe I'm not. What is your kind of prediction? Uh, big game probably kind of tells you what this team is going to potentially be because it has the feel of a big game and probably will dictate the course over the next however many weeks of how this team's going to look. So what is your overall prediction and do they cover the spread, which you said is three and a half? I haven't checked bet online, but it was two when I guess now it's three and a half. So going up. The latest that I've seen on it is three and a half, but that of course can vary by a point, half a point, whatever it might be. Um, I do think that number will be on the rise. So if you are considering it, I'd say get on it sooner rather than later. Nothing is going to change for uh, UCF. And I don't think there's there's a bigger fan base for UCF than there is for Boise, I'd say. Uh, More people to get on UCF and make that line go north. So that's my little uh, betting advice there. But for my prediction for this, I do think they cover it. I do think that they win by at least a touchdown. I want to go as far as to say 14. There's We look at last year versus Louisville, which is at home week two. I mentioned it earlier. UCF went out week one, 56-10 over South Carolina State. They come out the following Friday night and lose to Louisville 20-14 to in the bounce house. Malik Cunningham in that one, he threw for, I don't know, it was 150 yards, nothing impressive, added 110 yards on the ground. That's where UCF got killed in that game. I see something similar, I really do, uh, happening with Boise State and Taylor Green. I do think that, although it will be UCF's number one concern to have a spy on him, I don't think we're disciplined enough quite yet to keep him intact for, say, under 50 rushing yards. So I think that they score around that same. I'm going to say Boise finishes with 17. UCF gets two late garbage time-ish touchdowns. I'm going to go 34-17 UCF. Interesting. With the, I think it's going to be a close game for the stretch. I think UCF gets two late touchdowns say, to really I've had push the number it to in that my fourteen head. point advantage. So I did not steal. If point advantage. I stole anything from Tyler. It wasn't stealing. I had a number in my head. That's all I'm saying. Okay, Nick, go ahead. All right. Uh, before I get to my prediction, I did want to get to this oh, point because I forgot to mention it real quick. But it's a key to the game. It's a key to the game. It's, it's good worth- to mention any points that we forget. Yeah, it's I forgot forty-eight minutes. One, We're going to miss something. It, it's worth mentioning, and I think it's it, I think it's important. And I found this interesting that you know PFF obviously tracks you know every throw. UCF of note only attempted three passes twenty yards and beyond in that game. Two of them were from John Rice Plumley. He had a thirty-two yard completion to Townsend early in the game, and then the other one was an interception. Right. Boise State surrendered 16 plays, passing plays, 20 yards or more. So back to the conversation we had at the beginning, 
they have got to get more explosives and Boise State might give it to you in this game. So I'm just going to add that in there as another key uh, for the offense and how they need to operate and John Rice Plumley. Oops, I said his name. Sorry. Uh, but for the prediction, I tried to get there without even saying his name, but it's impossible. But anyway, for the prediction, uh, I view this as a very, very close game for probably about three and a quarter. Three and a quarter of a quarter. So how many minutes? I'm trying to get my minutes here. What is that? You're making it minutes. way too confusing there. I know. I got to dumb it down. Hold up. First 50 minutes of the game. There you go. First cool. 50 minutes of the game, I think this is going to be very close. I think UCF is going to get a key. I think it's going to be like a 31-27 game, and then UCF is going to get a touchdown late, make a stop. So I'm going 38-27, to 27, a UCF victory. And, yes, they will cover the spread. So in the um, deep passing that you brought up, that was only three. Um, I I don't want to say it was on purpose, but I assume it was because you don't want to give away a lot of your deep passing against Kent State, your, your deep passing plays, which I prefer. I'm glad we haven't seen that because I'm hoping this week you put your money when you're, where your mouth is, Coach Henshaw, and say, let's throw the ball deep. Because again, there is no way this coaching staff did not put on the tape and say, we are going to kill these guys down the field. The key to this game, I'm going to say his name, is John Rice Plumley. If he plays like he's supposed to play, this game is not a stressful game. You're a better offense. You have the better defense. You have the better coaching staff. You have every recipe. The only thing you have going against you is you're on the road. UCF has proven that in the last couple of years, they can go on the road and win some big games. They've also proven they can go on the road and have some stinkers, a la ECU last year. So my prediction, I think I agree. I think the first half is going to be a tight game, uh, just feeling each other out. First road game of the year. I think the defense, this isn't going to sound like it's very like good for the defense, I think 24 is the number I keep telling myself for Boise State. I think tw- if you give 24 to Boise, I think that'd be a solid, solid number. And I would say 34 for UCF. I agree with Tyler. I think 34 seems like the number. When we go into these type of games, if we score more than 40 against Boise, I don't care what the defense showed last week, I would take that as, okay, this offense is going to be good for for the year. Not saying it's going to be perfect and score 40 every game. But I think, again, you have everything kind of going against you in terms of going on the road, having to play a team that is desperate. And we didn't talk about that enough. This team is desperate for a dub. It's their first home game. They've had the home winning streak. They got their butt whooped last week. This team is desperate for a W. And they're going to do, they're going to throw out a bunch of stuff. They're going to do whatever they can to get a W in front of their home fans. It's how do you respond to that desperation? Do you just put your foot down and say, we know we're the better team. We don't care. We're playing on this stupid blue turf that nobody likes and it does isn't allowed in college football anymore. How is UCF going to respond to that? If you go out, you play your game like Tyler keeps saying, you play UCF football, and you just go out and win this game, I said it last year, you have everything going for you. But if you go out and you put a Louisville on tape, then it becomes a lot trickier. You're not in the American anymore. Teams know how you want to play. It's just, do you punch them in the mouth and say, we know that you know how we're going to play, and we don't care. We're going to run it with John Rice. We're going to throw the ball deep. We're going to run the ball down your throats with R.J. Harvey, Bowman, Johnny Rich, like whoever it is. 34-24 UCF. I guess that means they cover the spread. So we all... It's never good when all three of us agree. It seems like I know we're UCF quote-unquote homers, even though we're honest about UCF. If we didn't think they'd win, we would say it. But that scares me. I don't like that we're all kind of plus 10 over here. That's... Well, that's I, I said it earlier. When I was looking at this game, I would like I was thinking double digits or teetering double digits, nine and a half point spread. So a three and a half it's just because feels of the, the Kent State and Washington. Like the, you're really going to find out more about these teams 
this week? Like, you're going to really have more of an idea of like, okay, is UCF for real because you're playing a desperate Boise team? Or is Boise better than they say they are after playing a really good Washington team? I'm going to be honest. I came around to my prediction because, and I, I put those numbers out there about how many yard, how many uh, 20 plus yard completions they gave up. I think UCF secondary, there are teams on their schedule that could give them fits. And obviously the big one is going to be Oklahoma when we get there, right? I don't think Boise State right now is that team to the extent where UCF can't do the same exact thing to them. And I think UCF is probably more well-equipped to do that than Boise State is right now. And I think that's where I'm leaning. I get that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add on that real quick to the point of Boise State shouldn't be a figure-out game for UCF anymore. It shouldn't be a, okay, this is where we see what we are. I agree with you, Sean. We still don't really know what we have. Now that we are entering the Big 12 and we have – Baylor followed by Oklahoma on schedule in a couple of weeks yep. here or whatever, whatever it is. We need to put these Boise States behind us. We got to be, we have three tune-up games. That's how we know for sure. We feel pretty good. Kent State tune-up game, Villanova tune-up game before you get into big 12 play. We can't be on week two with Boise State. We shouldn't be here. We should be, it's tune-up. Like, go in expecting to kill these guys. And then you should. Like I said, you play your UCF football, you should have no problem beating them by three touchdowns. But it's the the errors, the self-inflicted wounds, that's what will kill the Knights here in this game. And that's we've seen it happen consistently in the past. This isn't a top 25 out-of-conference game that we're like, here's where we prove ourselves. We need to get past the point where we're proving ourselves versus Boise State. And how you doing how you do that is go out there and never give Boise State any light of hope. Never a doubt in mind that UCF is the better team. They are the they have moved on from that level of competition and are ready for Big 12. It'll be interesting. I mean, again, I would love for my Saturday night to be just a relaxing watching the TV and not really nervous about a score. Um, we know the cardiac nights lights to come out and uh, give us all heart attacks. So I'm hoping it's like that. At the end of the day, if it's a tough game, you got to figure out a way to get a W. You can't come back to Orlando one and one. I know there's a lot of Big 12 teams that are 0 and one right now against inferior competition. I get that, but you need to prove that you are on the up and up of college football, and you are going to start taking over college football and to do that you have to beat the teams you're supposed to beat and I don't care I have all the respect in the world for Boise what they've done they are a tough opponent I don't care what they showed on tape last week for Boise fans that don't think we give you enough credit no it's the belief in in what UCF has on the roster I think Boise is going to win the Mountain West I think they're the best Mountain West team on there um, and I think they've got a quarterback that can really change games just like Louisville last year UCF for anybody that said Louisville was better than UCF you were blind. UCF played way better than Louisville. They just made too many mistakes. They had the better team. So it's an, it feels so much like Louisville, which scares the hell out of me. And what's worse is this is away. It's not even at home. So yeah, we lost at home, but at least you have that like, okay, we played bad, but we win at home. No, you're on the road at Boise. Five-hour flight. You know, time change, whatever you want to do. So... It should be interesting, boys. We'll break it down on Monday, post-game. You'll get that uh, episode on Monday. This is Thursday, so a couple days away from the game, uh, so you can enjoy your Sunday football after, hopefully, we will get a UCF big dub against Boise. Tyler, we're going to have you on a lot this season, so, you know, previews, post-game, whatever you want to do, you just, you know, I'll hit you up, obviously, and we'll be talking basically every week anyway. So, uh, definitely be coming on because right. love the insight, love the passion from a non-FSU fan. We have to deal with Brandon on whenever yeah. I come on, but love <laughs> dealing with non-FSU fans on here. Yeah, and I, I get a little hot after the games. That's why some of the uh, game recaps, I might be better of a preview, guys, because might not be in the best state oh, of mind you. for a recap game. Admittedly so. There have been times that I've texted Sean and said, get me on a mic. Right now, and Sean's out to say, yeah, let's look at next week. That's every game. You're hitting us up about your thoughts. And I'm like, we can do a pod right now. 
We need to do it no, right I, now. That's a problem. We're all very similar. Like, th- that's <laughs> why, like, we're probably not every UCF fan's cup of tea because we are all very similar. If we sh- crap the bet against Boise, we'll be there m- midnight on Saturday and it'll be a two hour long pod about what went wrong and how we're not who we thought we were. And yeah, not the best recipe, but good recipe for content. Let me tell you guys, um, Lord, I ho- hope for a UCF win because you fans do not need a two hour long ranting episode in week two like last year. All right, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. We really appreciate all the support. Follow me, Nick, Tyler on all socials. They're down below. Um, and you get all your UCF content from us. So we greatly appreciate it. Uh, Like, subscribe, share, do all that you do. Again, we do really appreciate it. All right, this has been Charge On, presented by Bet Online. We will see you on Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.